Fourth and final hour, Darren, Donick, and Chase here live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Sitting here right before, probably about six hours away from puck drop here at Bridgestone Arena. Predators kicking off their regular season. First four games at home, and tonight it starts with a division foe, the Minnesota Wild in town. Don't forget, fans, if you are coming to this sold-out game, remember, they've got a new clear bag policy here at Bridgestone Arena. For details, go to BridgestoneArena.com under the Arena Policies tab. So a little bit different twist to getting into the building this season. We have had a packed house here at Pete and Terry's. Lunch specials, $12.50, burger and beer. We just gave away tickets 15 minutes ago and made somebody very, very happy. So uh, just remember, this is where we'll be doing our show before every Predators home game. A.J. Malesko will be a part of the NBC Sports Network broadcast this evening as the Predators kick off their season on the national stage. And A.J., as we were joking earlier, apparently NBC likes the Predators in the wild. <laughs> see, well, who doesn't? Central Central Division matchup. They're going to see each other a lot this season. Yeah. Should be a good one to start. So I want to know the perspective for you because you've been able to go from the booth to in between the benches and what that's like. In fact... We had Pete, uh, Peter Lavillette sit down with us in the last week or so, and I asked him because in preseason he went upstairs at a couple home games and sat high atop as opposed to being down on the bench. And I said, it sounds silly, but people don't realize because I've sat on the glass and I've been up top, and there is a totally different perspective of the game to, to those two positions. And Peter Lavillette said, absolutely. So that's exactly why. He went up there so you could get things slow down a little bit up there. You've had both perspectives. Just explain to our audience what it's like being down there in between the benches and being up, you know, up high atop on the upper deck. Well, first getting into this job, I was always exclusively up top. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It slows it down. And most of these coaching staffs have their eyes in the sky. So they have somebody on a headset talking about what they're seeing. Uh, for the head coaches to get an opportunity to do it, I think is valuable for them. For me as a broadcaster, I remember the first couple times I was doing it, I kept thinking if I had just spent some time up here as a player, I would have been, I would have been better because you, you see so much more and you see the game unfold and you can pick it apart. Now, it's also really easy to be critical from up there because it is slower. Yeah, so yeah. you wonder why this player made this decision, why this player did this, and, of course, you also have the benefit of replay and slow motion and all these technology uh, bits that we have. And over the last couple of years, I've transitioned to do some more games from between the benches at ice level. And as a former player, I love it because the speed of the game, the everything, the sounds, the, the right in between the benches, so you can hear them talking to each other, hear the way the coaches talk to them, see some of the camaraderie, some of the chemistry, see some of the frustrations, see little subtle things. Uh, and I find as a as a as an analyst. I look at it differently. So up top, I'm looking at the big picture. I'm looking at how a play developed. When I'm down at ice level, I love looking at the little things, the way their skates move, maybe a hand position on a face-off, head movement, the way they're looking at each other. You get to see a little bit more of those subtle differences. And I'm fortunate with NBC. I've got a partner that's up top covering all the big picture stuff, looking at the eyes in the skies, and then I can try to bring some of the in-game stuff to the people watching at home. You'll hear things tonight that some things you can air, some things you can. That is absolutely true, and, and there are times that I've been in games before where I have to be pretty heavy on that mute button because it's nothing I'm saying, but it's the people around me are saying things. Because your mic's open, right? My mic's it's, open the whole time, yeah. yeah. Oh, so wow. I, and I'm, you know, it, it, some arenas like Little Caesars in Detroit, I'm on the Detroit bench. They, don't, they didn't actually build a spot between the benches, so I have the doors opening on my monitor, and I'm right there. So if there's some 
words said that are not appropriate for air, I got to be pretty pretty quick with the mute. <laughs> and they and they have to. You're sitting there talking on their bench. Yes. All your hits. And and in Dallas, you're in a spot where the uh, the backup goalie sits there with you. So yeah. you know, there's all these different things that that go on and. and you know, players are in and out. They're reaching for things. And obviously what they need is more important than what the broadcaster needs. But there are sometimes that happens coming out of a commercial break, for example. We're showing a replay. I've got the monitor. I need to see it. And I remember in Detroit, I called a game there, and there's a player sitting on my monitor. And it's during a break. He's taking his break. But I'm trying to look around and see what's, what my producer's telling me. And I, I remembered the play, but it's nice to know what's actually right. show, being shown on the screen to be able to talk about it accurately. You talked about you playing the game, and now that you're on this side, we were talking to Hal earlier, how this is year three, how time has flown. Hal who? Hal Gill. I'm just kidding. Skillsy, that guy over there, big tall guy. <laughs> I heard he's a really good coach, by the way. And uh, I think you've seen him in I've, person coaching. I have. Young, I have. Young, young people. I know. It's a little sport. frightening, right? <laughs> Molding the minds and skates of young people. <laughs> but what you learn on this side. So I want to know, we always talk to players, especially younger players, you know, how the game slows down and how things over time just like anything you do right it things slow down you pick up things and you get you hope you get better at it so how's this been for you the more games you've done to where you are today well it's very similar to well to anything that we do right the more reps the more you do anything the better you get the better you feel and i think for me i've really enjoyed it this job is i mean i love hockey i played it um my kids all play it i coach them to be able to see it analytically and, and look at it and try to the challenges of trying to bring it to people, the viewers at home and, and break it down in a way that is un, that make them understand what I think and what I'm seeing and maybe not always agree with me. And, and I, I hear from a lot of people that don't agree with me and that's fine. Um, but I think that for me, the more times that I do it, the more comfortable I get. And the more I do it, the more I come to the same arenas over and over. And I've, I've been fortunate to do a, quite a few Nashville games. So gotten to know you guys, come to these arenas. There's a comfort level there, too, that I can ask the questions of the players and the coaches and therefore go into the games a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident with some of the knowledge that I have. And, and you know, it's still a learning curve, and there's still, you know, this is my first game of the season, as is the players. So there's broadcaster rust as well as player rust. So we'll see how it goes. Talking to A.J. Malesko. She'll be on the call tonight, NBC Sportsnet. And, A.J., uh, we were discussing earlier in the show with the Minnesota, the perception is from the outside, hey, they're, they're in flux. They didn't end well last year. But if you look at their lineup, it's a, it's a pretty good lineup. And if they're supposed to be the seventh-best team, that just shows you how tough the Central is, right? The Central is very tough. And, I mean, it, they – they had, I don't know how many play, uh, teams last year, over 100 points. I mean, it's a really, really challenging division. And, you know, Minnesota is so interesting because they have, they have a lot of talent. And I think last year was an anomaly. They finished the season really, you know, some of the players disagree with the assessment that their locker room was fractured, but that seems to be the perception from the outside, that there was their body language was down. There was a lot of, uh, they were just questioning themselves. And there were big trades made at the end, a lot of locker room favorites left and then some young players came into a situation that wasn't easy for those players and I think now they seem to have a really fresh look about them for the even though the roster is very similar Zuccarello is really the big addition but they I I was actually in St. Paul earlier this week and I was at the wild offices and they just have a have a much lighter uh, atmosphere there and Everybody is saying there's just an optimism about them. And whether it's Bill Guerin coming in as GM, whether it's just a fresh season, whether they went on that, that trip to Colorado. So, you know, I think for Nashville fans, it, it's exciting, too, because you know the Central Division is always going to be good. And if you've got this team that is 
allegedly the seventh best coming in first night. They're going to bring it. They're excited. Zuccarello, you've watched a lot, right? You, you did a lot of the series last year when he joined the Stars. You've seen him play when he was with the Rangers. But how do you, how do you think he fits into this wild team? He's, he's Like you said, he's the new guy. He is the new guy. And, you know, when he came into Dallas last year, everyone kept talking about him being the X factor because he was everyone loves him. All the players in New York loved him. In Dallas, everybody wanted to play on his line. He has an energy about him in the locker room, and he also has an energy about him on the ice. He's a, he never stops, and he creates a lot. He's a playmaker. Uh, it's interesting as as a broadcast, you know, broadcasters, we get to go in the locker room after morning skate and talk to these players. He is very self-deprecating. It's and he's very funny. He's got a quirky sense of humor about him, but he's he's easy for those players. So I think for Minnesota, he's sort of just what they need. Arguably, look at their roster. They've got a deep forward four lines. They maybe need a dynamic scorer. You know. Preds picked up Duchesne. They don't have somebody of that offensive caliber, but I think the lightness and the and also just the skill that he brings with playmaking will be how, big for them. How do you view the Predators and the moves they made since you last saw them? How do they look on paper to you? They looked good. I mean, they looked good last year, and again, I think all these teams, you never know how the chemistry, how it's going to work. They have a very similar roster to last year, obviously one big exchange. Um, but I, they look good to me. And, and listening to Pecorino in the locker room, he said the la- ever since we've made the finals a couple years ago, every season it's been looking back to that and how do we get back there. And he said, this year I really feel like we're looking forward. We're not looking at next year. And that to me is pretty powerful. When you take one of the leaders on the team, Stallward, who's been here forever, for him to give that message, I think that you take the skill they have, bringing in a talent like Duchesne and you know what he's been able to bring to their power play, I think they're going to be a team can go far. Hey, Jay Malesko from NBC Sports Network is here with us. And what does it do for the confidence of a team to, to know now that the idea is you're going to have two top forward lines? You, we know about Johansson and his line that you saw last year during the playoffs that we've seen the last few years. But adding Duchesne, this team now has something that they haven't really had in a while, and that's two top forward lines. What is that going to do for the confidence of the team? I think it does a tremendous amount. I mean, that's they keep talking about it as 1A and 1B. It's not even, you know, you can't look at Duchesne as the second center. They, uh, I think listening to Laviolette, he's really excited about the Duchesne Forsberg connection. He's very, he's experienced enough to know that we don't, no one knows until you go into the season, how their chemistry plays out. But in the preseason, he liked what he saw. I think for the, for the team, you know, even taking Kyle Turris and bumping him down, arguably he's a top six forward and you have him as a third line center. That's, that shows how much depth they have and how much they can just keep rolling at their opponents. And knowing that those top two lines, I mean, that's, if you, have, if you play against a, a team that has a shutdown D pair, but now you've got two lines to shut down, how do they match up? There are a lot of variables there that give that are in favor of the Predators. Turris is obviously a, a name that we talk about a lot that's interesting. Had a, a rough year last year. They experimented putting him on the wing with, with the top line. Now he's going to center what appears to be the third line, at least to start. What, what strategy would you take with him of trying to get a player going again, trying to get his confidence back? He had a good uh, world championship, but to have him on the third line, is that the best spot to, to start him? Well, I think that one key for him might be the time that he gets on that second power play unit, yep. which we think he may be on from what I've, I can see. Uh, and I think giving him some of those minutes there, maybe some offensive opportunities, I think that will help him. You know, confidence is a funny thing. It's so, val- it's so powerful in an athlete. And yet it's so fragile, too. So the set, when it's gone, you try to build it back up, and you never know how, how that can happen. And maybe it's a couple fluke goals here and there, and then suddenly you just it snowballs and you build off that. You know, I think for him to understand that what he brings as a depth center 
is going to be just as important as if he gets an opportunity to play on one of those top lines as long as he understands that his role is important and, and Laviolette's been around a long time and has a relationship with him. So building that confidence up is going to be critical. And I think confidence was the big thing with the power play. That's what a lot of the guys said last year. You saw that in the series against Dallas. It went over and, and it just struggled all year and they could never get it right. They bring in Dan Lambert to, to kind of give some new ideas to it and all the players that I've talked to, they love it. Like it's a, it's a different look. And then not to mention the addition of Matt Duchesne. Well, you know, it's so interesting watching a bunch of different teams in this league. Power play, there are no secrets on the power play. I mean, you know, they won't – coaches will try to hide it and not – but they're all pretty similar. And so there's no – it's not – he's not reinventing – Lambert coming in isn't reinventing the wheel. But what he's doing, he's giving them a fresh fresh look and a fresh focus. So his big thing that I've been reading on what what he's talking to them about is – don't lose momentum. It's not about necessarily scoring a goal every power player out there. Just don't lose momentum. Create it or maintain it. And what that comes is you've got to create shooting lanes. And you've got to make sure that you're moving the puck and you've got to be a little quicker. I remember in the Dallas series, what it struck me was how stagnant it became. And part of that is I think they were all gripping their sticks a little bit too tightly. Body language was a little – they were frustrated. They were feeling the pressure. They knew their numbers were low. And the second you take that away and you just give them something else to focus on as opposed to power play percentage – then they can start being a little bit looser and, and moving it around. You know, you got Duchesne low now, yep. and then Arvidsson's going to move high, and he had such a good year offensively last year. You put him up in that slot area, I mean, he could blow those numbers away. Does having the one defenseman and four forwards allow you, especially with a team that has so much firepower in the, at the forward position, that allows you to put guys in the right position, correct? It, it absolutely does. I think it depends on your personnel, though. I think Roman Yossi, can, he's very offensive, and he can create, he can shoot, he can score, he can be leading the forecheck, but he's never out of position from what I've seen and he is such a good skater and he's so smart that he's a very good one defenseman to have out there um, and I think Eklund will probably be on the other unit I think that they'll knowing that you've got good defensive players that can also add to the offense will be great now I, they may move it around and Laviolette said that for now they're four and one it may go to three and two at some point but I certainly think that Yossi's the right guy for that last thing AJ I was talking with Ryan Ellis this morning about just because he's been here a while and he's kind of seen this whole thing morph into what it is today. Like you said, you've now started to do a lot of these games. You've been here. You've kind of accustomed to this market, this building. What we'll see tonight. What do you tell other people or people ask you about this market, this fan base from afar? I always like... We always like getting the outside perspective. Well, if people ask me what favorite buildings to call games in, and I haven't been to... I haven't called games in all the buildings in the league, but my first experienced covering NHL playoffs was two years ago and I did some of the Nashville Colorado series and then went to did the Winnipeg Nashville series that was an incredible run because you have the fans that you guys have here and the fans in Winnipeg going back and forth was unbelievable and I always go back that the fans here are are very passionate they're very loud they're very positive, and that's the other. Even win or lose, I've, I'll come here to Pete and Terry's afterwards, and they're excited and they're enthusiastic, and you can see they may be, you know, bummed out that their team lost, but they seem to be happy about it, and they're informed. I think that's a misconception across the country, and maybe less so now that Vegas is sort of the new kid on the block, but for years it was sort of like, oh, well, Nashville's not a hockey town. It's fun. The players like going there. People like to visit, but the fans don't get it, and that's – completely false from my experience of being here fans are into it they get it you know the team's been here for what 20 plus years years, and it's um the fact that obviously the team's done so well Poyle's done a great job with the personnel uh they've had some successes to sink their teeth into 
Uh, but it's been really fun to see the fans and how excited they are, how positive they are, and but knowledgeable. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. And we'll uh, talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. AJ Malesko will be a part of the crew tonight. It'll be Chris Cuthbert, Mike Milbury, and AJ Malesko tonight. Predators and Wild on the national stage this evening. We'll come back. More of Darren, Donick, and Chase next on ESPN 1025, the game. Good stuff, AJ Malesko. Appreciate her stopping by the table back here on what is still a crowded house. Yeah. Here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Man, it is still jam-packed in here, which tells you this is the place to be. This is where you need to be, whether you're coming here to take advantage of a beer and a burger for $12.50, or earlier you were trying to win tickets. Well, and you can still win tickets. you can get, well, yeah, that's right, this afternoon. They're going to yeah. give away, what was the time during Jared and the gym? 4.45. So you can come in. You can come in right now and register. If you registered earlier and didn't win, you're still still in the hat. You've so. got, what, a little bit more than three hours yeah. and 15 minutes to uh, 20 minutes to get ready for the next giveaway at 445. But they've got drink specials. Uh, we've had a lot of fun in here today. And this will be the place, of course, you want to hang out. If you're coming to the game, stop in here, get a couple drinks, and... Socialize. They've got the televisions, and then you can head in the building and uh, well, have yourself a good old time. Tonight. Or you can go to the plaza at three thirty for the gold carpet. The guys will be be getting here, so they do the gold carpet every uh, every season for the the home opener. So Willie, I know you're doing some stuff. I'll be on the gold carpet with Gina. We'll be talking to some of the guys. So a lot going on all afternoon. Festivities all morning, afternoon, and of course evening long so it should be a lot of fun here to kick off another season of predators hockey here tonight predators and minnesota wild will have pregame uh starting at six o'clock i'll have that for you and puck drop at seven o'clock and everything heard right here on espn 1025 the game and don't forget to come back to jack daniel's barrel house for the post game yep we'll have a player up there it'll be uh defenseman yannick weber tonight yes It'll be to good. kick off the year. And we'll have uh, Preds Profiles tonight. Excited about that. So Do a really good job with that. Thank you. Really good job. And See Willie, you'll be doing some stuff as well. Yeah, what are your duties? Some stuff. Can you... Uh, <laughs> and things. Stuff and things. Can you tell us your duties? Well, we got the, as you guys mentioned, the, the, gold, the gold walk, the gold carpet. Then we will be uh, doing a... A series of Facebook Lives and, and things like that during the game. We'll be going to some different suites, I think. So maybe awesome. if you're coming to the game, you might see us in one of the suites Look with at some you. people. And then, you know, we just we watch the game. We, we get ready for, for Saturday. We've got our first broadcast on Saturday. I, I should mention your partner, uh, Chris Mason, C. Mace, who joins us every Wednesday at 1 o'clock on this show, will join me for the first uh, segment of pregame tonight. So Chris Mason will be in the house at Barrel House, so I did want to pass that along. I'll tell you what we'll do. When we come back, we haven't really touched on this, and we need to. There was an arrest in Knoxville, yeah. and the video has come out involving a player and the head coach and the police department. And so we'll discuss that on the other side. I'm sure a lot of you have probably already seen this story to this point. Or maybe even seen the video. I mean, the video is out there. It is yeah. not just locally or here in the state. I believe it was on TMZ Sports. I mean, it's it's gone viral. 
And uh, we'll kind of weigh in. Uh, what do we think about player asking to call the coach, coach getting on the phone, just kind of weigh in our thoughts on that whole situation, and the, which then prompted Jeremy Pruitt to, of course, address the situation publicly yep. afterwards. So we'll get into that on the other side as Jeremy Banks was arrested. So we'll, we'll talk about that on the other side of Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 1025, the game. Back here on Darren Donick and Chase on this Thursday afternoon. I hope everybody's been having a good day to this point. We've had a lot of fun here at Pete and Terry's Tavern all day, and uh, I know a lot of you have been hanging out with us, so we do appreciate that. Predators and Wild this evening kick off the regular season. We said that there was a story that came out of Knoxville, a vet, more of a video that came out of Knoxville, in which uh, there was a body cam of of an officer who uh, was arresting one of Jeremy Pruitt's players. And it was Jeremy Banks, who's 19 years of age. This was a, a traffic stop. And I believe he was doing, what, an illegal U-turn? Is that correct? Is what initially got him uh, stopped? Yeah, and then he had an outstanding well, traffic Well, right, warrant. which led to, yeah. obviously, you know, when you do that, then they have to check on you, and um, you found out that didn't have his license. First, he said he didn't have his license on him. Then he admitted that his license was suspended. And and then at some point, the player, Jeremy Banks, asked to call his head coach multiple times. He was then put in the back seat of the car and led to Jeremy uh, Pruitt being on the phone. And I thought what was interesting to me is Jeremy Pruitt, the head coach of the University of Tennessee, Vols football program, mm-hmm. said to, to the to the officer, so do you have to arrest him just because he's got a warrant? <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you guys have, have watched the video. Yeah, if you've seen I've, it. I've read I, a lot. I know yeah, a lot of people little... have caught that part. Well, and I mean, the, that's... what the policeman says is by rule, basically, well, saying in the state, of, to, the, state of, to, the state of Tennessee is the one who has issued the yeah, warrant. Like, yeah. right. I have I, to follow through with this. I don't have a choice. He's got a yeah. warrant. Now, every warrant is for a different reason. This is it sounds like unpaid tickets and stuff. Right. And it, so, it doesn't sound like it's, it's not like this guy, you know, has done something really sinister. It's he's guilty of some things that I think we've all, you know, a parking ticket here or a speeding ticket there. But the problem is. The license is suspended. It hasn't gone, and then so it's just—it's a good lesson to everybody, you know. You got a few parking tickets. You need to pay those tickets, or else it could get on you. But I understand what Jeremy Pruitt is—he's trying to protect his player as best as he can. But the way you go about that, and the fact that everything is recorded, it's—it's it's a great window into, you know, what's going on out there, like. It, you're always – you have to assume that you're always on the record, right? Yeah. Uh, I would say so, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yes. How many times in the last five to ten years especially as more and more people not only have a phone that has a camera but but now all the police and, and all the cameras we have that shoot down surveillance in a hallway of a, of a hotel room or a main street? I mean, you just – you cannot assume that all that, well, you know, hey, nobody's watching, and, hey, let's have a conversation that's private or off the record, however you want to define it. 
There's just no such thing. Here's what I don't understand. Police body cams are, are a big part of that, right? And that's what this was, right? Or a right. car cam or whatever whatever it was recording. It was a body cam. Here, here's yeah. what I don't get because it was university police that they picked him up. And if you read the whole story and you watch the video that during the entire situation before they put him in the car, he was he was fine. He was complimentary. And then he gets in the car and during the ride is when he starts – just saying everything of, you know, challenging well, the there officers. Well, there was a and, woman in there doing a ride-along. Right. And he said, hey, ma'am, you don't want to be an intern because where I'm from, we shoot at cops. I'm from Memphis. Right. And you it's know, like, why? It's like, yeah. wow, okay. Well, and that, he also, es- that escalated in he a He also hurry. said, I, I should have tried to outrun you guys at yeah. Yeah. your speed. Right, yeah. You said you would have never caught me. You would have never caught me. And he he kind of made reference to that they're campus police and that, like, oh, okay, I'll take the campus police. And he said, what would you do without that badge, though? That's all I want to know. Y'all wouldn't want to see me without that badge. So it's like I don't don't understand the thought process. And then, of course, now he's apologized. Well, he he wasn't thinking. I mean, it's just a simple, you know, a teenage kid acting, you know, someday he'll look back on that, hopefully, and say, what an idiot I was that particular night. You know, we, we, we've all. I think I think everybody has made mistakes. I try not to overreact to that. Yeah. The important thing is, do you learn from it? Not only the player, but but I think the coach too has has learned a big lesson here. So right? do you do you have to arrest him just because right. he's got a warrant? But I think he's not the only coach that would ask that question in that situation would you um probably not do you think there's been many a player that have that somebody has asked that hey listen he's just considering where kid he made a mistake can you can you let this one slide i mean okay it happens a lot right that's fair but then here's the other thing that he said this is the silliest blank i've ever seen in my life pruitt said during the phone conversation quote i've got it i understand i've worked at four places and I ain't ever had no crap like this except for here because right. the people usually say, hey, something's not right here, end quote. Well, did he also reference, I thought he paid that stuff, you know. Yeah. I was so, under the understanding that he paid it. So, I, you know, is, is this a massive deal, big deal? No, but it's, I think what, what we're, as we've been talking about this stuff, and he's still very early on. He's not even a year and a half in. I think this, these things are just starting to add up, and it's just, it's just, it's continues to be. I think not a good look. However, if they were four and one, I think, I mean, let's just be real. People would be racing to his defense, yeah. saying he's looking out for his player. Right. He's trying to help his player out. Yeah. Did he push it a little too far? I, I just think he would get a lot of benefit of the doubt. But for those that have already made up their mind. That Jeremy Pruitt is not a good coach and is never going to make it. They they use this to pile on. This is now on the file of this is why he's not the right guy. Exact same situation, right, wouldn't you think? Is, is if it, it phony? Were the exact yes. But that's how life works. Right. 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 But but when I think you win that's ten why games, I think we try to pull back. Everybody defends. Right. I'm trying to pull back and it's say it's a good thing. You win. What, you what's win out of line? What's, five games what's in one game this year, and you've lost to Georgia State. The storyline's different. I mean, yeah. that's how it works. Right. And this, the thing too, is this all happened in like a month ago, and it's you know just coming out. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, because he dressed for the Florida game, but he didn't right. play. 
And they said, you know, handle it internally. The thing that does make this a little bit of a big deal is just the climate in which we live. And, you know, comments like that of saying where I come from, you know, we shoot at cops. I mean, you can't – that's just – you can't say that. And and he's got to be held accountable for that. You know, he's apologized, and if he does all the right things after that, then okay. But yeah, that's that where apolo- the that – ap- yeah, I know. Who wrote this that? is where the head coach Come on. has to be the head coach. You have to be a father figure to these guys to an extent and lay the hammer down. And I just I don't feel like he did that. And so it, it goes back to what you were saying of is all this stuff adding up because of what the record is and what his tenure has looked like of does he have true control of this team? And I don't know if he really does. I think that's that's really where I was going with it. it. Just it just doesn't seem. But look, you can't control these kids. I mean, you know, the kids got to do it. You can't. Right. They don't have twenty four seven watch on them. I mean, that, these kids. But it just seems like, once again, like I said, it just is in in pattern with what we've seen over. It just it looks and feels. This is just my opinion. Yeah. But it wasn't. It looks and feels like this is a little big. For a guy who's right. never been in this okay, position but before. Okay, again, let me let me try to – I want to give you perspective on it. You tell me if I'm off base here. Fairly early in the Butch Jones tenure when his stock was fairly up, you had the whole Title IX lawsuit going on, the culture on the campus. That was probably ten times – that's being conservative, right? Maybe a hundred times more serious and deeper allegations than what we've seen since Jeremy Pruitt's taken over. Where he's had Bryce Thompson and that situation, and this I can't recall any other ones. Now he hasn't been here that long, but it's not like the perception is the players have been way out of line since he's been there. Is that fair to say? But, but doesn't that go to Butch your Jones, point? The phony part is that, that he got off saying. to the good start. Butch Jones was accused of having a lot of conversations with the police. You know, behind the scenes where he was saying, hey, you know, talk to me. I can't remember all the specifics, but that was an issue, right? His Him trying to work the, the campus police behind the scenes. Like his cell phone had rang yeah. in some, some serious situations yep. about some sexual abuse deals, which is what it centered on. But Butch Jones at the time was winning, and so there wasn't a lot of let's use this against Butch Jones to get him out of here, but to, to the point of – this is much less serious, but people are saying, well, hey, Jeremy Pruitt, I don't know. Right? He has, I mean, to, just, he has to also know that, that, that that's how it works. Fair or unfair, that's how it works. Well, I'm just yeah. saying it's, it's a little unfair. When you're, when you're not winning and you're getting paid lots of money. I mean, he gets paid close to $4 million a year, and you're not doing much winning, and all your losses are really lopsided, are and things just continue to mount. You have to know that – this will just give the detractors yep. more things to pile on about. I, I know I know we don't necessarily agree with this statement, but when you're the head coach of an SEC school, you, you don't you're not really entitled to fair. That's just kind yeah, of that's, that's just that's kind of what comes with it. Yeah, I, I think you I think you should be entitled to fair. I, I do think that I didn't have too much of a problem with him saying, "Hey, what, what can we do about this?" Yeah. The fact that the player wanted to call him says something about. Uh, his standing, I think where he gets out of line is when he starts to argue with the police right. saying this is a bunch of baloney and, you know, I've been other places. That, then that kind of gives you gives off a little, I'm bigger, I'm more important, and how can you do this to me? I'm the, don't you know yeah. who I am kind of stuff. And, that and did, that, that and, didn't sit well. But, you know, it, 
on a scale of one to ten, it was this was this a ten in how bad you can handle? I don't know if it was a ten. You know, it's I don't know if it was a ten, it's not, but it's not bad. to what you just said, you know, the co- the places that he's been and the coaches that that he's worked under, I don't see Nick Saban ever having that kind of attitude with a cop. Well, has he ever been on on recording? I mean, that no, no but how I, many of these go on that we never hear the conversation, or or maybe it is recorded and nobody ever right leaks it out. Like, if they were 4-1, and one, would that recording have leaked out? Now, that's that's a fair question. <laughs> right? That, that, that's a very good question. I'm just, I'm just asking. I mean, th- these uh, are these kind of dynamics, I would think, when you have 100 players over the years, they go on. Right. Right? And sometimes it gets out. Sometimes it doesn't get out. But we got a chance to see this one firsthand and unedited, and here it is. And as as we know, when once you see it, your whole perception changes. Yep. yep. We will come back and wrap up Thursday's edition of Darren Donick and Chase next on ESPN 1025. Thank you, David. Back here on Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 1025, the game here live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Be another giveaway for tickets for tonight's game coming up at 445 on Jared and the GM. So you just have to come in here, fill out the registration. You do not have to be present to win at 445, but you will have to walk yourself in here and fill out that little slip. We were talking about what? Well, you had, had something Oh, I was just that? saying you're free to hang here yeah, at Pete well, Terry's. Yeah, of course. Well, people We've have been had a doing lot of people day. hanging with us today. It's been all awesome. Day. I mean, the, our, Dennis Smashville is here. Is Jeff's here from our station. So, I mean, we got, we got everybody hanging out. Smashville is ready. For this one tonight. So we were talking about the Jeremy Banks story and Jeremy Pruitt. There was also another layer that happened yesterday after the show as well, because we've talked a lot about, you know, how could this play out? What would be, you know, Phil Fulmer's role in all this if it played out? And if people didn't see Philip Fulmer's comments on vol calls, he said this. And it's funny, we had the conversation yesterday with Joe Rexroad where he, <laughs> you guys jumped him for saying that. It's ninety five percent. He brought that, that up Jeremy on morning drive today. Will be back next year, and you guys were like ninety five percent. You got to come down from ninety five percent. So it's odd that last night, and the the reason we were talking about it more is because there were some national people. Adam Rittenberg was the guy that yep. wrote the story. The, he's Coach on the hot is on seat. the hot seat. Unnamed sources in the industry saying that yeah, Philip Fulmer is intrigued. So Philip Fulmer is on vol calls last night, giving his full support. To Jeremy Pruitt, and so he decides to address it, which I think is you know it's an interesting move. The other thing that keeps coming up, this is a quote, and I'm going to just address it. The coaching chapter of my life is long closed. I love doing what I'm doing at UT, but I love more being with my family and grandchildren. We've got a really, really good coach, and we need to make sure we're appreciating that. So... I think it's very significant that he did this on vol calls as the athletic director of Tennessee and unsolicited. You know, he just felt like, I need to say this. So you guys tell me, are you skeptical of that or do you take him at his word? I take him at his word that he means that. So are you saying that it's significant that he did it on vols, vol calls because that's a university, that's, a, that's tied to the university? Well, I'm saying that if he says that on vol calls as the athletic director of Tennessee in support of the coach that he hired and then turns around and replaces that coach 
That is a that's the worst look you could possibly have. What do you expect him to say right now, though? That and look, even if it was a press conference and he said that, I, I'm still skeptical, and I'm still saying, how many times have you seen a coach or an AD or whatever back a guy and say, you know, hey, we're not making a change, or no, I'm not interested in this job, and then a month later, they take the job or they fire the guy or whatever. It it happens all the time. So I don't even think it happens it's on, all the time. I, I, but not in this, I, I do not recall a guy in that setting. You know, you got the home team. This is not a hostile environment yeah. where people are trying to, and you feel like you got to say something. He didn't have to say that at all. This was unsolicited. He chose to go do this and address his fans and say that. So I, I take him at his word on that. I think he knows it would be a bad look, a terrible look to replace the guy that he just hired. I mean, just hired. Well, so I, it, I think it's very significant he said this. You, you, tell, you guys tell me. You, you, you seem to be skeptical, Chase. Darren, uh, are I, you skeptical? I fall in the same boat of what did you want him to say? I mean, honestly. He, he didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to go on the show. It's not like he right. had to. He, and he could have gone on that show and, and told the guys, hey, I'm not going to say anything about X. He just he wanted to yeah, say Yeah, but it. you know that they also have to say Philip, we have to we have to he bring did, they this didn't, up. No, they didn't bring it up. The other but who thing says that they keeps, wouldn't have? The other thing that keeps coming up, and I'm going to just address it. Yep. The coaching chapter of my life is long close. And look, maybe he's right. Maybe he's endorsing Jeremy Pruitt, and he's saying, listen, I'm not going to fire him after two seasons or less than two seasons. We're going to ride this thing out. I'm going to give him a chance to succeed because – as we've discussed on this show, Philip Fulmer's name is connected to Jeremy Pruitt, but at the same time, how he can go back on his word and nobody would bat an eye. Nobody it, would bat an eye. That 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 quote would be everywhere. I'm sure it would. Just the like, coaching chapter of my life is long closed. That would be a headline every single place you do could you, go. Do you still worry about this quote? Quote, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. Nick Saban on December 21st <laughs> right. of two, whenever it was. I think that's a, that's a good point, but let me, let's throw the context in, right? Nick Saban is a failing NFL coach who has been given a huge opportunity to jump ship. The season is still going on in the NFL, and he's figured, how do I, how do I get out of here? How do I escape? That's a hostile situation that he's in. But he said, "I'm not going to do right. it." Then he, he did it. And, he absolutely did. And so, and as we saw with Bobby Petrino when he was with the Falcons, that's he, the hardest place because the NFL season goes so long. He put a note up in a locker. Right. <laughs> so, there's, so there's no good way to do he it did. because because to, to take a big job, yeah, you got to you got to escape, and the season's still going on. You're 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 leaving guys hanging, and so Bobby Petrino Bobby Petrino was crushed in Atlanta for the way he left. That, that's a little more of a hostile setting than on vol calls where you're not pressured to say anything at all. You could, you could choose to say whatever you want or whatever you don't want. Look, I, I, I would just, that's just, my, that's my I would take just on ask it. this question. How do you think this got discussed so much? So much for him, as you said, unprompted to go out and say and, this. And feel like means, he had to address which it. Which means there's been a ton of smoke. A ton of smoke yes. in talk. That so is intriguing. Why, why would there be all this stuff out there where he feels like, hey, what are you guys <laughs> talking about? My coaching days now, are, Darren, where I, would all that smoke come I, from? Just, I think that's a good point. Is but, just poof? But do you think that maybe his inner circle, 
privately went to him and say, Philip, I know you and I have discussed this. I'm just speculating, right? But it is a bad look for this to be out there. You've got to decide. Are you doing this? Are you going to say nothing? Or, if you're, or do you need to check it and say, in the big picture here, if my legacy, if I'm really trying to be an athletic director, it's not going to look good if I replace the coach that I just hired. Yeah. And maybe he said, you know what, you're right, I probably just need to pull back a little bit and take a new attitude towards this, if he was contemplating before. I, don't, I have no idea. I, I want to know if somebody – He didn't have to say that, though. If somebody behind but the you're scenes right. – I'm just the saying, smoke. The smoke how could there. there be that much smoke for something he's never thought about, never said, just magically everybody decided to connect dots that weren't there, right? That had no reason to be there because he's never said a word to anybody. And all of a sudden, there's this story that's out there so much that he has to address. I think that's kind of odd. That's rare. Now that that he has said it, he is on the record. The coaching chapter of my life is long closed. Whatever. Long closed. I say he will not be the coach at Tennessee. I am ready to say that. I'm with Joe in the 95%. Rafael Palmero shook his hand and pointed at all of us and said, I have never cheated. Ever. Yep. Nick Saban doing great, great things with the Miami Dolphins. Yep, yep. They were in a hostile. Both of those guys were in hostile situations. That's not ball calls. <laughs> that that'll do it. <laughs> well, for us today, <laughs> Prads and Wild tonight. Pre-game at six. Puck drop at seven. You have a great rest of your day. We look forward to talking to you tomorrow morning at ten a.m. Stay tuned, Jared and the GM.